What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 264 of the DFS Dose podcast, your fix of daily fantasy sports information, strategy, and analysis. I'm your host, Ben Hover, joined as I always am by Joey Carrion. And on today's show, we are going to talk about our results from week 10 in the NFL, as well as some interesting stats and storylines. Joey, how you doing following week 10? Doing well, doing well. I mean, one of the tougher weeks of the season. It was hard to make a lineup cash game. Lineup ended up missing the cut, but you know, I wasn't on the double tight end build, which ended up being the optimal build for week 10. And, you know, just just unfortunate that I didn't bring myself to play the double tight end build this week. Man, I'm never playing the double tight end build. If, if double tight end is the nuts, it's going to be a losing week for me. I mean, I will say that I didn't end up playing cash this week, which is different. I've done that twice this year up to this point. And I mean, I, I think objectively, maybe not super sharp right? Because I mean, if we have an advantage as DFS players, it doesn't matter how hard the week is. It's hard for everybody. But in terms of, you know, me personally, it's like a bankroll thing. Like I only have so much bankroll to devote to a given week. I felt like there was a bigger edge in terms of tournaments and that's how I wanted to play this week. So I just went full blown into tournaments, faded cash, and it ended up working out. I mean, I had a pretty good tournament week. It was a profit, didn't bank anything, but had a lot of good lineups, had a lot of Justin Fields to Cole Komet, which is, you know, what you needed this week. And then, you know, just in terms of like a general kind of thought on the slate, like we finally saw, you know, a more traditional week on on DraftKings where, you know, the chalk did okay. There were some chalk pieces that hit. Obviously, Justin Fields is the chalkiest quarterback dropping 40 for a second consecutive week is, is crazy. Amon Ra in that same game, which was a popular bring back to Justin Fields stacks hit, but you know, a lot of players didn't hit. And especially at the running back position, the top of the scoreboards were contrarian guys, Jonathan Taylor, Dalvin Cook, guys that we were, you know, on. Uh, And the same goes for wide receivers, CeeDee Lamb, Justin Jefferson, you know, Devontae Adams had a monster game, Christian Watson. So a lot of guys that were contrarian plays hit. So it, it actually paid off to be contrarian for, you know, what feels like the first time in forever in DFS. Yeah. I mean, you laid it out pretty well. Most of the chalk failed. I mean, we had... Tony Pollard was kind of chalky a little bit. He obviously exceeded expectations, but when you have Kamara failing, Travis Etienne kind of busting, Josh Jacobs, a lot of these guys had relatively okay games, but not great games given their cost and the context of the entire slate. But yeah, this was definitely a good tournament week to go contrarian a lot of the cheaper running backs did relatively okay if you were on you know the Jeff Wilson or Raheem Mostert which we talked about on the Saturday night stream I also said Jonathan Taylor was my favorite running back play and then the top wide receivers as well were obviously very good tournament plays Diggs Justin Jefferson etc so tough week in my opinion you just had to be on on the right guys and you really just had to be on like two games and that was the Bills-Vikings game and the Cowboys-Packers game. Yeah, I mean, there were a lot of plays in, in the Chiefs game that went off as well. I mean, they were priced up, but Mahomes had a great game. Kelsey was the second highest scoring tight end. Christian Kirk went nuke this week. But really, if you kept your core pretty consolidated, and, and shout out to us. I mean, yeah, you nailed JT. I nailed Dalvin Cook, who was the third highest scoring running back on the slate. Like, I feel like we had a really strong grasp on this slate. Would have had a much better week personally if Juju didn't get hurt. I had a lot of juju stuff but you know that's that's just sometimes the way the chips fall yeah i mean can't predict him getting absolutely blasted in the head and he freezes up like tua did 
So Yeah, I mean, it could be a few weeks before we see Juju, and we'll get to that at the end of the show. Let's talk about some of the interesting stats and storylines from the week, Joey. The big storyline is that Justin Jefferson is the best wide receiver in the NFL. He goes 10 for 193-1 and in the Vikings' upset over Buffalo in a game that could go down as a classic game. I think it will. Wild series of events to close things out, and the things that really started that chain reaction of incredible football was a catch by Justin. Justin Jefferson. I mean, I'm assuming that if you're enough of a degen to be listening to a DFS podcast on a Monday afternoon in week 10, you probably saw this catch. But if you didn't, do yourself a favor and look it up. Some people are calling it the greatest catch in NFL history. I think it's in that discussion. I mean, it was like the OBJ catch, but on steroids. <laughs> yeah, honestly, I don't know how he came down with that shit. To be quite honest, it was an incredible catch, an incredible play all around. Kirk Cousins just said, fuck it, JJ down there somewhere, threw it up. <laughs> Kind of got lucky, but a good a good play nonetheless. And yeah, I mean, anybody saying Justin Jefferson wasn't a top wide receiver in the NFL was just smoking crack, to be honest. I mean, yeah, I mean, he's obviously shown that he's one of, if not the best wide receiver in the NFL. And coming into the season, he literally was like, that's my goal is to prove to everybody that I'm the best. And I mean, it's hard, it's hard to argue against him, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, we always knew the production would be there. Now he's got the Vikings on a sick lead. He just had an iconic NFL moment. I think that uh, Justin Jefferson is is headed there. Absolutely. So shout out to JJ. On the subject of that game, is there anything that you took from Josh Allen's performance? Obviously, that was another huge storyline. Coming into the week, didn't know whether or not he would play. Even pregame leading up to the game, he wasn't out there for warmups. And, you know, we were just wondering what the Bills were doing, but he came out, played the full game, threw the ball 43 times, completed 29 of those for 330 and a touchdown, two interceptions, including the game losing interception in overtime. Also rushed the ball six times for 84 yards, looked prolific as always in, in that facet of the game. But, you know, I was watching Red Zone, tuned in a little bit more to the games that I had more riding on. So wasn't, you know, super focused on this game for the most part and until the ending. So I don't know if you have any takes on how Josh Allen looked as he begins to play through this UCL injury. I mean, Josh Allen was fine from, you know, a passing injury perspective, for sure. It's just over the last few weeks of the season, even prior to his injury, he's just been making a ton of mistakes that he kind of made early in his career. You know, avoidable mistakes, I would say, like the interception in overtime is a completely avoidable mistake. And that, and yeah. that's a game losing mistake, right? And the Bills haven't scored a point in the second half in three straight games. Mm-hmm. So this is a team that obviously is one of the best teams in the NFL, Super Bowl favorite, but they're struggling right now. Obviously, we think that they'll get it situated and they start hot and they've just been kind of dying off as the second half goes on. And Josh Allen has been making a lot of mistakes, but that's nothing that I think can't get corrected moving forward. And I mean, the Bills are currently third in the AFC East in the middle of November, which who would have thought we'd be saying that? Uh, prior to the season no that's that's actually actually crazy but I mean yeah my biggest takeaway I still have complete faith in in Josh Allen I think that as far as throwing the ball goes it went better than we probably expected it to with him coming back so quickly so I mean no no real concerns here I think that this team has a strong enough core that they'll be able to get back on track when the games matter because this team is in Super Bowl or bust mode and I still think that they have it in them to make a deep deep 
playoff run. We talked about Justin Jefferson while we're on the subject of elite young wide receivers. You know, C.D. Lamb has been consistent all season long, but he's yet to really explode. Had no games over 100 yards coming into yesterday. No games over 23 fantasy points coming into yesterday. Well, 15 targets, 11 catches, a career high, 150 receiving yards, two touchdowns, 41 DraftKings points later. And I think we can say that the C.D. Lamb ceiling is officially back. Yeah, I mean, obviously good to see that CeeDee Lamb finally gets his first 100-yard receiving game since uh, last season, and just a long stretch of him being consistent, but not great, and he comes out, balls out, cooks Jair Alexander on a couple of routes, and he looked good. This Cowboys passing offense looked pretty solid, even though they ended up losing that game. I just want to see if he can capitalize on this moving forward, because CeeDee Lamb, I think, is just a player that is very talented, but he's just inconsistent, and the touchdown upside at times is extremely low. And I and I feel like they get away from him on offense sometimes. I think that's just an overall coaching mistake rather than CD Lamb just not being as good as we thought. But nonetheless, CD Lamb definitely needs to be involved moving forward. And I mean, he has one of the highest upsides of any player in the NFL. Ton of yak ability. So I don't, I don't know. Uh, moving forward, he's definitely in play for DFS. But it's hard to believe that he's going to consistently be, you know, this high ceiling player just because he's never really been that type of player unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head there. It seems like it's a complete coaching thing and an organizational error that they still believe for whatever reason that, you know, Ezekiel Elliott has to be the center piece of this offense. I don't think it's a coincidence that, you know, these guys are absolutely exploding and this offense is looking the best it ever has with Ezekiel Elliott out of the picture. You know, CeeDee Lamb going nuke, Tony Pollard looking great week in and week out with the full opportunity. It's like if they built their offense around their best playmakers, which are CeeDee Lamb and Tony Pollard, I think sky's the limit for this offense. It's just a matter of whether they will or won't do that going forward. In that same game, Christian Watson made his presence felt for the Packers. The second round rookie has struggled to stay healthy so far. I mean, he even entered the medical tent at one point yesterday, looked like he was going to have another mid-game injury, but came back out. And I mean, the Packers this season have just had a dire lack of playmaking ability in terms of their pass catchers. But Watson definitely made some plays yesterday, four catches, three of which were touchdowns. 107 yards and you know what do you know Aaron Rodgers gets help from one of his receivers for like the first time all year and all of a sudden Green Bay is back on the board with a much needed win after a five game brutal losing streak yeah I mean Christian Watson played a hell of a game three touchdowns 107 yards couple big plays here and there he just looked good obviously injuries have been a concern with Christian Watson this season but talent wise I mean he's clear-cut the most talented wide receiver on the roster just from a raw athletic profile standpoint yeah he's big he's tall he's fast and he gives this Packers offense a much needed dimension that they've been missing and that's, you know, deep down the field, airing the ball out. Moving forward, I mean, if he could stay healthy, it seems like he could overtake, you know, Lazard and, and Romeo Dobbs as the go-to wide receiver in this Packers offense. And maybe Aaron Rodgers, after this game, starts to trust him a little bit more. And he's probably a priority, you know, if he's on waivers in your league moving forward. And in DFS, he's probably going to be a nice uh, long shot tournament play each and every single week. But the target floor is probably still going to be too low on a team that, you 
you know, just wants to run the football more often than not. So that's pretty much my take on Christian Watson. Probably a talented guy just dealing with injuries, but if he could put it all together, the the upside is immense as as we saw today. Absolutely. So Jeff Saturday uh, got his first win as an NFL coach. Turns out he was absolutely right. You know, two weeks ago when he was still an ESPN commentator tweeted out that the Raiders look horrible and you know, they, they do they're, they're God awful. And, and you know what Saturday comes in coaches, his first NFL game beats the breaks off Vegas brings Derek Carr to tears. I mean, Derek Carr's literally crying at his post game presser. Jeff Saturday, like destroyed his entire will, you know, Matt Ryan's back as the Colt starter, Jonathan Taylor's ankle injury magically healed goes for 147 yards. I mean, I don't know what's going on, but there's some, some magic cooking in Indianapolis with Jeff, Saturday and Jonathan Taylor might be back as well. <laughs> I mean, we talked about it. We did. We did. We, we I, talked about on it on the stream. stream. Yep. These players are going to play hard for him. And he's probably a player's coach. He was a former player. He has the experience of being in the locker room on a championship team and understands what it takes to get there. I saw a good take on Twitter, actually. I said, maybe coaches make the job way harder than it seems. Obviously, it's a one-game sample size, and he was playing against a team that continuously underperforms and disappoints. We also talked about that. You don't have to play in the Raiders chalk. This is a team that falls flat on their face every single week. So we're going to have to see moving forward how this Colts team performs under Jeff Saturday. And yeah, I mean, new coach, players coach, they come in, they get the job done, get a close win, what, 25-20 over the Raiders, and Jonathan Taylor finishes as the highest scoring running back on the slate. Uh, Shout out to me. Yep. Good call there. That's about it in terms of stats and storylines. Really great week of NFL football. Let's talk about some of the injuries of note before we get out of here, starting off in Germany where Lombardi Lenny suffered what Todd Bowles referred to as a hit pointer. And whether or not that happened, I think Rashad White was bound to be one of the most talked about players this week because he got the start. And once Fournette exited, it was you know off to the races, finished with 22 attempts, 105 yards, zero receptions, surprisingly for Rashad White, considering he'd had three plus in five out of the seven games prior. But regardless, the situation is setting up for Rashad White to be the top waiver priority for redraft leagues in week 11. Yeah, I mean, Rashad White comes in, gets his first 100 career yard rushing game. He actually started the game, which was interesting. And yeah, Leonard goes out with an injury. He's been kind of playing bad up to this point either way. And there's been a lot of smoke around Rashad White just already assuming a bigger role, uh, even with Fournette there. And if Fournette were to miss significant time, I mean, Rashad White would have running back one upside with his pass catching ability and just this uh, Bucks offense maybe trending a little bit more run heavy as the year goes on and you know them understanding that Tom Brady can't uh, shelve the load of everything at 45 years old and they actually talked about that on the broadcast and they actually ran the ball quite a bit in this game so moving forward I think Rashad White is probably a priority waiver selection at this point if he is on waivers I mean he shouldn't be in any competitive league but if he is you got to go out there and get him yeah I mean I, I guess the key to fixing the broken offense is to take Lenny out put Rashad White in and then kick Tom Brady out to start running routes on the outside I mean, I mean did you see that one <laughs> Yeah, I saw I saw that play. I was watching the game. <laughs> oh god. I mean, just trying to just the prime example of trying to do too much. Yeah, I mean, 
literally way, uh, especially way too much. Uh, especially against a rookie cornerback that is low key just as good as Sauce Gardner, but doesn't get the national media attention because he doesn't have a cool name. Um, in Tariq Woolen, six four, runs a four two forty, lasted until the fifth round, and is uh, is an elite cornerback one already. Why are you putting Tom Brady on the outside <laughs> and throwing a jump ball against him? Oh God, that that's actually really really funny. I mean. I guess he should change his name to like Saucy Woolen or some shit like that <laughs> for branding, for branding. All right. I mean, one of the most impactful potential injuries of the fantasy season occurred yesterday with Cooper Cup suffering an ankle injury. The, you know, rhetoric that we're hearing is that he avoided a quote worst case scenario situation, but still, I mean, it looked really bad on the sideline. He couldn't put any weight on it. More testing needs to be done, and we just don't know yet how bad this Cooper Cup injury is going to be. Yeah, like you said, it's not season ending, but he should be out for a couple weeks. Obviously, a huge blow to the Rams offense. This is one of the worst offenses in the NFL with Cooper Cup, and now you take him out. Just an overall tough scene. Allen Robinson has been a disappointment this year. Daryl Henderson as well, Cam Akers as well. We talked about Kieran Williams quite a bit. He comes in, doesn't play at all, unfortunately. Kind of comes in at the end of the game, but gets 40 yards. Looks like the best bag. Daryl Henderson scores a touchdown. This Rams offense is just a total mess right now, and then you take Cooper Cup out of the equation. I mean, God. The future of this season is looking pretty bleak I don't think the Rams make the playoffs which is funny considering they won the Super Bowl last year and that's just the that's just the NFL you know yeah life happens fast in the NFL (laughs) every year is a new season you can't predict what's going to happen based on what happened this year the Rams are just uh in my opinion one of the worst offenses in football so yep clear cut couldn't have said it better myself scary moment for juju smith schuster took an absolute brutal hit and you know obviously we're we're really hoping for juju to get back and you know recover from that but in terms of fantasy implication Kadarius tony looked absolutely electric in this game i mean his impact has been immediately felt for the kansas city chiefs offense he only played 44 percent of snaps despite juju exiting early but he turned that into four catches for 57 yards and a touchdown added 33 rushing yards and cashed in a punt return touchdown all in all 19 fantasy points but I I mean I think that Kadarius Tony is going to become one of the most explosive pieces of this offense down the stretch looking like a really really good trade for Kansas City yeah I mean as long as he could stay healthy with some of the uh injuries that have happened in the Chiefs offense I mean Kadarius Tony could be a league winner for sure um especially if Juju is out for an extended period of time and he goes from playing six snaps against the Titans to 44% of snaps yesterday against the Jags and I think that just increases as the rest of the season goes on as he gets more acclimated to the playbook and I mean even with Juju there he's still the most talented wide receiver on the team in my opinion and I think that he's going to be a key part of this offense down the stretch and he just gives them a much needed playmaking ability a deep threat ability and just his elusiveness and his twitchiness I mean he's one of the hardest players to tackle in the NFL and if he could stay healthy I mean this should be an elite connection 
and his upside is extremely high as we saw and you know if you're getting something out of him in the potential return game too I mean that, that's kind of a cherry on top yeah definitely he's like what they wanted Mecole Hardman to be and I know mecole has been productive but I just think that Kadarius Tony is such a better player like such a better player that's about it for like major major injuries on the slate a couple of ancillary players who got hurt Jerry Judy with an ankle injury but the offense remains completely broken and I don't have too much interest in any Bronco in the current iteration of this offense we got some news from Ian Rappaport this morning that it's supposed to be a strained muscle in his ankle couldn't put any pressure on it so looks like Jerry Judy will be out for a few weeks here yeah I mean this Broncos offense is just trash I mean if you're rostering any Broncos players like that's on you yeah got, the, gotta get this, them out of the line at this point like I'm pretty sure in my three leagues I roster maybe one Broncos player and that's Cortland Sutton and that's because I have to because of injuries like it, like if you bet on this Broncos team okay if you bet on the sports bet on them prop bets play them in fantasy redraft like that's literally your fault like <laughs> We know this Broncos team sucks. What are you doing? You just have to sit back with yourself and question, are you being a good fantasy player slash sports better if you're betting on this team? And if the answer is yes, you're not a good better or fantasy player, (laughs) period. Self-awareness, a very, very important thing. Zach Ertz suffered a knee injury. He will be out multiple weeks, which opens the door for an increased role for Trey McBride, who was the top rookie tight end coming out of this most recent class. Uh, hard, hard to really tell what the Cardinals offense is going to look like going forward, but yeah, I don't know. Not, not, not a huge takeaway with that. And then Khalil Herbert to close things out, suffered a hip injury. Unfortunate, slight boost for David Montgomery, but doesn't really do much when Justin Fields is, you know, accounting for 80, 85% of the team's rushing production week in and week out. Yeah, I mean, we didn't even talk about Justin Fields for, you know, the storylines and how he's uh, breaking slates every week now and how he's fifth in the NFL in rushing yards. Yeah, how he's about to have a better rushing season than Lamar Jackson's career year. Uh, uh, Justin Fields is on pace for 176 carries, 1,273 rushing yards, and 10 rushing touchdowns. Just an absolutely insane stat line from a quarterback. And then we also take into account he's been pretty efficient through the air as well, scoring multiple passing touchdowns a week and 40-plus DraftKings points back-to-back games. Obviously, both spots were pretty incredible and favorable for these ceiling games but moving forward I mean Justin Fields is easily a top three top five fantasy quarterback so yeah I mean he's in he's in DFS consideration now every week and if you got him in redraft congratulations and I mean if you got him in best ball congratulations his schedule down the stretch Falcons Jets Packers and then the fantasy playoffs, Eagles, which is tough. And then, you know, potential shootouts with the Bills and Lions. Like, I mean, Justin Fields is going to ship everything in best ball. Also, a little fun fact, first time in NFL history that an offense has put up 29 plus points in three straight weeks and lost in all three. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Bears defense is horrible. Their offense is clicking right now. I mean, that makes for fantastic fantasy games. So he's definitely a play moving forward. Probably not on DraftKings as, you know, a potential uh, 7,000 plus quarterback, but maybe. Maybe. I mean, 
Hard not to when he's rushing for 100 plus every single week, but we'll talk about that on the preview episode. Check out that on Thursday, and that is going to be it for episode 264 of the DFS Dose podcast. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at Dose Media Net, as well as our personal Twitters. I'm at Ben Hover. Joey's at Joey Carrying DFS. If you guys want to connect with us and stay up to date with what's going on within the network, you can join our inner circle via the free Discord channel. Link to do so is in the show notes to this podcast. To everybody listening out there, we appreciate you. We value you. Until next time, let's stay accountable and keep it authentic.